0: The Start.
1: On Demand.
0: demand. Hey, it's Brett. It's the Thursday edition of the podcast for The Start with Mackling, McGarry and McNabb together again. I took a few days off. Good to be back today. And today we're going to talk about romaine lettuce. Is it going to get worse before it gets better? And there's a trick, apparently, to defeating the pathogens on the romaine lettuce, if you're willing to get creative in the kitchen we're also going to talk about something happening in beijing they are getting ready to launch uh like a social credit system where if you're good you get points and if you're not good then that could make life difficult for you do you think it's a good idea there are some people out there with some bad behaviors that could maybe be reined in but is it too much to have big brother watching over you so closely Cameras in the courtroom. Guido Amsel sentencing this afternoon. Live stream at CJOB.com. Should cameras be allowed in the courtroom more often? Small town salute. We're going to the municipality of Prairie View. They've got a couple of exciting things happening this weekend. Blue Bombers didn't make it to the Grey Cup, but... They could still get some big awards, CFL awards being handed out, and the Bombers are poised to be prominently featured in that. And Third and Bird. Mackling and McGarry have been excited about Third and Bird for a couple of years. They do these big markets. Their big ones are spring and Christmas, and the Christmas market is here this weekend. We're going to meet a couple of the vendors who are involved, and we'll speak to one of the co-founders of Third and Bird. It is a truly remarkable Local shopping experience. Just went to the grocery store two days ago and bought uh, had a head of romaine lettuce for $250. Apparently, you can take them back. And get a refund? Really? That, yeah, I hadn't I think, heard that. I think I'm, I mean I need what to if double check that. Have you already
2: washed it? Put it in its container? Like you no? Know, I
0: wonder. Yeah, I, I need to d- to double check that. I just uh, heard that I was I was walking down the hall. I heard our friends over at uh, Power ninety seven talking about that. So need to look into that. But uh, yeah, what's up, Romaine?
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, you talk about what what to do about it. I have a friend just shared on Facebook now. Right now, chocolate is good for you, and romaine lettuce could kill you. I've been training for—I've been training for this my whole life, uh, and it, but it's not a joke. I mean, what's been happening is that so first of all, it started with a. Uh, Ontario and Quebec, there's about 18 people who were sick from an E. coli outbreak, potentially linked to romaine lettuce. The New Brunswick said it had issues. And then grocery stores like Sobey's said yesterday, as out of an abundance of caution, they're pulling lettuce from their store shelves. And that's right across the country here in Winnipeg, yeah, as well. And,
1: yeah. And we were asking the question how do they know? How can they, you know, how do you prevent the romaine from Kenora from seeping into the romaine pile in? East Winnipeg which or Steinbach, you know how do, they don't know borders, which is
2: maybe why they just decided, you know, yeah, lettuce is like whoa, 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 guys, we are not allowed in Manitoba. But, <laughs> but maybe, but maybe that's why they pulled it from the shelves, right? Like, let's be cautious about this because right. we don't know it's making people sick. So we had so many questions and decided to reach out to Dr. Rick Holly, a professor with the Department of Food and Human Nutritional Science at the University of Manitoba. One of the first things I thought of when I heard about all these recalls for Romaine is that this is supposed to be the healthy option for both myself and my family, and now we're hearing (laughs) that it's not. You laugh. Why are you laughing when I say that?
3: Well, there's always a little irony in life, and I guess this is just another example.
2: So what's happening here? It's uh,
3: an indication of a systemic uh, problem with agriculture. We want to eat more more healthfully, um, and uh, so I guess we're sort of going, going back to a situation where we're eating food, we'd like to eat food that is unaltered in any fashion from the time of its production. And uh, as agriculture becomes more and more intense, there's um, a need to uh, uh, replenish the soil with, with nutrients. Fertilizers are less and less attractive to some folks, and so we're using organic fertilizers, and lo and behold, um, those, those come from uh, biological processes of metabolism in animals, and uh, E. coli is just a natural component, and uh, salmonella, too, live in the animals and don't cause the animals to become sick
2: basically you're talking manure
3: yeah and uh, manure comes with naturally contaminate natural contamination which which involves uh, bacteria sometimes that are pathogenic to humans but not animals and so we're at risk
1: is the e coli and the other uh, pathogens, are they actually on the lettuce, or are they becoming a part of the DNA of the lettuce?
3: Oh, they're on the lettuce. I, I would be reluctant to say they're part of the DNA of the lettuce, but, uh, you know, they're they're part of the uh, ecology, a normal part of the ecology of the Uh, the environment where the lettuce is grown. Um, We have to replenish the organic matter in soils. We have to then use animal manures to do that. Um, But what we haven't figured out is how to get the organisms that cause us to become ill out of the manure before the produce that's grown in those fields is harvested. And, And that's the kicker. If we could do that, then these problems would go away, i.e., if we separated agri- animal agriculture a little better from plant agriculture, we'd all be better off. But we don't know how to do it. We don't know how to kill these pathogenic bacteria that naturally occur in manure. In particular, Romaine is, is uh, very vulnerable to that kind of contamination.
2: Does that mean this problem gets worse before it gets better?
3: It isn't going to stop. <clears throat>
1: Some of the advice we're getting, though, is that you can't wash this off. That you
3: no, you can't wash it off. Your question earlier about uh, um, the relationship between the plants and and the organisms also involves uh, structural things. The organisms actually can penetrate the tissue of the roots of some of these plants. Can get into the uh, pores in the leaves that the plant uses to breathe. And and you you can't disinfect that.
1: I want to circle back to something you said about romaine in particular. I got the impression that romaine is particularly susceptible. Is there a reason? Uh,
3: So much of it is grown and consumed raw. Uh, It's no more vulnerable than uh, iceberg lettuce, for example.
1: Hmm. So (laughs) that... Prompted another thought, Dr. Hawley with the U of M says there are some jurisdictions that have rules in place between the last application of manure and harvest. The idea is that it will create or leave enough time for natural elements to get rid of E. coli and salmonella. The issue is that they're finding those organisms that are able to live longer. Now, there is an immediate solution Manitobans could consider Here's Dr. Holly. Asiatic
3: uh, cultures, for example, uh, traditionally have used uh, manures not only from animals, but also from, uh, from humans uh, as organic fertilizers. And, and this has been going on for, for eons. Um, but they cook the produce and kill the pathogens. We're not smart enough to figure this out. We 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 want our salad raw.
2: They boil it, mm-hmm. or they boil some vegetables that we might want to eat raw. So, would you eat boiled lettuce?
1: Boiled lettuce? I don't
2: know. I talked about this with my that husband last sounds night. Sounds like
1: boiled water to me, really, but because I, so much of lettuce really is just water, for sure.
2: But the, if like if you're trying to get those nutrients in, I don't know. The whole point of a lettuce to me is is the crunch and the. Like it's the texture. It's not. A, it's not really because the taste is
1: so great. And I thought you, when you cooked vegetables, you're actually cooking the nutrition out of them. A so good part of them. A good part of the nutrients I I, for sure. You know, I. You know what? I'm just gonna stick to processed food, and I don't have to worry <laughs> about any of this stuff. I would try the boiled lettuce. I'm really? hurt to try it.
2: I challenge you to. Ch- you, you know what? I want you to boil that this week and let us know.
1: There are places that will do uh, the Caesar salad, and they'll put the romaine in like a wood-burning oven right. or wood-fired. Well, Oven, and
2: right? that tastes amazing. If you it even just uh, barbecue, like grill your romaine, that's really good. Oh, interesting. But okay. I don't know if that would be enough to to kill it. I just had another friend on Facebook. She's marked herself safe from romaine lettuce
1: today. <laughs> <laughs> Tim and I are on the same wavelength. He says, can't remember the last time they had a recall on a bag of chips. Wow.
2: Come on. That's not what they're saying, people. Move. You can do iceberg. It's just not impacting the iceberg right now.
0: And one of our listeners says you can take it back to uh, Safeway. They're uh, giving refunds, I guess, if you have your bill on that. So uh, thank you very much for that. And uh, I have a head of romaine lettuce in the fridge, and perhaps I will try to boil it. Why not? Can't hurt to give it a shot. Also, just very quickly, funny you mentioned that it's basically water. There's a YouTuber. You may have seen him on Rachel Ray. His name is Dame Drops. He does food reviews, fast food reviews mm-hmm. from, from his yeah. car. He's, oh, neat. Yeah, he's a, he's a super uh, colorful character. He sits in his car and he eats McDonald's or In N Out or Five Guys or whatever, just in the parking lot, goes to the drive thru, orders it. And he always refers to lettuce as crunchy water. So <laughs> he, he often just pulls it off of the burger. On a burger, he I agree. Down.
2: I don't like lettuce on my burger, but I, well, I probably eat a salad every day. Like, I love it. I have so much remain in my
1: life. How many people have gone from like a burger bun bread? To a wrap. And then you realize, oh, the wrap isn't any better for you than the bun was. And then you go, I know what I'll do. I'll wrap the burger in lettuce. Now you can't do that anymore without thinking twice about it. So, like I said, just go with the tried and true process. Cheeseburgers all the way. Keep the bun.
0: McGarry, McNabb, Moore is here, Braun is here, Fortier is here. Greg, Greg, you found this story on the National Post something rather troubling out of Beijing.
1: Yeah, he hears in quotation marks: unable to move even a single step. Beijing will judge every resident based on behavior by the end of 2020 they're calling it a national social credit system it'll judge you on pro social behavior such as volunteer work blood donations being a good driver paying your fare on the train and if you don't do those things and you are sort of counter or antisocial they will deduct marks from you, and it could prevent you from flying. It could prevent you from booking train tickets. It'll alter, potentially, your ability to get identification. This may be tied to the internet and which websites you go on to. It is absolutely startling, Loren, what they are prepared to monitor in order to give you this this social credit and part this social of me thinks score. it's
2: insane. And then the other part is like, I don't know, maybe some people are just like, <laughs> like, like, but now I was initially concerned that there would be this whole pooling of data from them watching you. Like a, like a big, yeah. I'm picturing a big, you know, station where everyone has cameras everywhere and they're, mm-hmm. they're judging you if you don't wash your hands or like, you know, pick your nose or something like that. I don't know. But they're still watching you through a computer system. I'm just wondering,
4: bad singing in the newsroom in the morning. Who's, who's got bad that, singing? Lorenna be locked up for life. Oh,
2: come on. That's, <laughs> that's good singing. You must be talking about oh someone else.
0: I, uh, <laughs> I'm not saying, just saying a word. Yeah, just just saying, says everything. Let <laughs> that one hang there for a second. LeBron, this sounds to me like uh, I mentioned it earlier, but this sounds like a, a plot line that Larry David could have written for Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, he'd have
5: a lot of fun with this one, trying to trying to rack up some social points yeah, and failing sure. miserably
1: at it. Yeah, that would be a good one. Um, I, I don't – yeah, the, the downside sounds bad. If it was just driving, I, I could get on board with that. Sure, I agree with yeah. you. And I'm surprised – Sort of surprised we don't have that already. Well, you Uh-oh. sort of can in the United States, but like certain private insurance companies will offer you an opportunity to get this little black box instar- yeah. installed in your car and they'll grade your driving and it has nothing to do with just accidents. It has to do with your way you stop your car, accelerate, all those different things and they calculate yeah. whether you're a decent driver and or not. And with GPS and stuff, like you'd think we could all have a thing in our
0: car and they it would just know if we're speeding or not, right?
1: mm-hmm. So. mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the, some, of the, That's the, some of the good behaviors that uh, the city of Hangzhou rolled out its personal credit system earlier this year, rewarding pro-social behaviors like volunteer work and blood donations while punishing those who violate traffic laws and charge under-the-table fees. So I, I mentioned earlier that I have mixed emotions on this because it's kind of scary to think about them opening this door, but there are so many people who I would like to see punished for their bad behaviors. Greg, you mentioned pig parkers. I hate the pig parkers. <laughs> or people who don't pick up dog poop repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, you, you take the dog for a walk, you realize, oh crap, I didn't bring a bag. Yeah, but
1: you know what? We've done that, and you know what you do? You go and you knock on the door of the house that your dog pooped in front of, and you say, hey, we're on a walk. Have you got a Safeway bag or something like that? And I know I've done that twice, and the people look at me, Thank you so much for stopping and asking. So I guess I would get some positive (laughs) feedback, right? You already got two points. I might actually be able to sit in the uh, exit row on the plane. I I might get some good points. Under this
2: system, they don't get you for that. They have to know, like, it has to be something that they can, like, measure, right? So it's the What I don't like is then if I'm the person who doesn't, say, donate blood or doesn't give to the charity or whatever. I mean, we all want to be giving. Now, do I move down? Is it like a demerit scale?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like Santa Claus. He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. I don't know how Chinese government mom, I
2: could be like, just pull that out and be like, look, you are sitting at a minus 22. Santa sees this list. This is a legitimate naughty list. I mean, that might be a good thing.
4: There, there has to be a lot of bad behavior happening, though, that they have gone ahead with this program to the extent that they have. I mean, they don't just pull these
1: ideas like a rabbit out of a hat. Well, if you go to Helsinki for a week, you might imagine that they already have this system in Finland because people are so well behaved in public. When you're on public transport, I think no. I mentioned like if people are getting on the bus and it's starting to get full, there's no glances exchanged. You put your backpack on your lap, you scooch over, you make room, there's no yelling, there's no gum chewing, nobody's coming on with food. Like you would like I say, you would almost no. think that this system was already in place in in Finland. Finland
0: another uh, behavior I would like to see uh people get punished for is people in traffic who like skip the line. Like if you're on a busy line, mm. you might be familiar with, you might be familiar with this Kelly because you live in Transcona, but it's on Lage Modiere. So let's say you're coming off of Marion mm-hmm. and you then you turn left so you're going north on Lage and yep. then in front of the Burr Lumber there's like right. that little side road. Yes. And if there's a long line people will often yep. dive into it and mm-hmm. then they'll yep. come out and people always let them in. Isn't so, that
2: kind of like a zipper merge? It, it yeah it is
0: yeah. <laughs> Well it is if you're
4: using it legitimately. Legitimately, yeah, If it was an official third lane of Lash, then right. it would be zippering. But this is just cutting through the parking lot to get ahead of everybody else.
2: I would like to punish people who don't give me the courtesy wave after you let them in. Like I want to follow them to their wherever they're going and be like, all you had to do was wave, man. Like I let you in.
4: Sing to them. That will do, be just as effective. I don't
2: understand this hatred oh. of my singing. You can
4: it's
0: like, hatred. <laughs> it's not singing either. Oh! <laughs> wow! <laughs> no! Thank you very much, Jeff, Bond, wow. Kelly, Moore.
1: want to bring you inside the courtroom a tiny bit and a little bit behind the veil as well. Bob Sikulski, we spoke to him earlier. We want to play a little bit more of our discussion with him with regards to the hesitance of Canadian courts, Manitoba courts, to resist the move to more cameras in the courtroom.
6: The the, the court in its policy is alive to the fact that that. Uh, Witnesses may be reluctant to come forward. The, 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 the policy also has taken note of one of the objections that, and this sounds completely remarkable to me, but cameras might encourage theatrics on the part of legal counsel. Well, you know what? I've been at this for 37 years, over 37 years, and there are lawyers who are more theatric than others. Whether there's a camera or not, that's going to happen. Cameras aren't going to make a difference because once a lawyer is in the courtroom doing the best he or she can for his or her client, they have different styles, different ways of presentation, and they go into the courtroom, and they get into the zone, if I can call it that, camera or no camera, the lawyers are there doing their jobs. They're not playing to the camera. So I don't buy that theory uh, by one iota. The lawyers are there to do their jobs, and whether some are theatrical and some are less theatrical, cameras aren't going to make a difference to that, in my humble opinion.
1: Well, can I counter that somewhat, Bob, and this idea of pandering to the cameras? Because in the United States. States, where it is essentially wide open on this front. You have district attorneys who have to run for office. You have judges who are elected by the public. So is there is that the difference potentially between the Canadian system and American system where the television and the presence of these cameras may affect how DAs and how prosecutors and how judges may act with those cameras on?
6: You, you hit a great point. Uh, and and that's one of the great things about the Canadian system, and and I like the word you used, pandering, uh, because from my knowledge of the American system, having had uh, uh, cases of my clients uh, referred uh, down in the United States, where I've become aware of uh, that system, and I've become aware of it through through uh, American media, uh, where. Where, as you say, DAs and judges and defense counsel who may want to become elected as judges may want to play to a crowd. And then ask yourself this question, the crowd that they're playing to in America, is that the same crowd that they might be playing to in Canada? I don't think so.
0: Winnipeg lawyer Bob Sikulski talking to us about the fact that there will be a camera in the courtroom this afternoon. As Guido Amsel is sentenced, we will have it live at CJOB.com. I know that I was, I've been away for a few days, so I wasn't in on the conversation with our friends in Calgary, our Calgary affiliate, uh, But we signed you up
2: for something anyway, <laughs> just yeah. because you weren't sure, here, sure, Brett. This is a team, so it was our no. team versus their team. You're of course,
0: in. and what was it again? It was a bet.
2: <laughs> it was a bet, and we were, Greg and I were super confident. The bet was, of course, about the Bombers and Stampeders game mm-hmm. last week, who was going to win. uh. Ugh. If we lost, would well, it's not a bat. We pledged. part we of this. Pledged.
1: Is good. Oh, well, of course. We figured if we were going to lose, we were going to win somehow. Yeah. So we pledged to go to five two nine Wellington in red and white, and on our Instagram accounts, chant, go, stamps, go, and <laughs> uh, generally make fools of ourselves uh, in shame of the performance of the Blue Bombers. So okay. we will we will pay our debt to Calgary Radio. Tomorrow doing around eleven fifteen
0: eleven thirty. Now
2: again, I say we win because we picked a great restaurant.
0: Correct five two nine Wellington. Do you think they'll be okay with us going in there and <laughs> chanting "Go stamps, go"?
2: Especially because I signed you up to play the the um
0: the, fl- the recorder. The- the Zula. Vuz- Vuvuzela. Yeah. Oh, my God.
2: I didn't really, but I should have made that part of the bet that Brett will also play the
0: Vuvuzela. I wonder, well, they might have like a champagne flute or something that I could uh, try to put. Or just ding, 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 ding. Yeah. <laughs> we promise we will not bring cowbells. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And we'll behave, but we will be unfortunately wearing... The color of the stampede. Oh,
0: now, unfortunately, the Bombers, of course, did not win the game. But, Greg, there is still something to look forward to for the Blue and Gold. I suppose you're right, Brett. One of the highlights of Grey Cup
1: Week goes tonight in Edmonton. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers are well represented. A bittersweet situation for fans and, of course, the players who are in Edmonton without all of their teammates. Bob Irving is in Edmonton without his teammates this week, covering his 46th Gray Cup, no shortage of blue and gold tonight, Bob.
5: And yes, it could be a big night for the Bombers when the CFL hands out its individual player awards. Stanley Bryant is expected to be named the top offensive lineman in the league for the second year in a row ahead of Brandon Revenberg of Hamilton. It will come as a surprise to everyone if Adam Big Hill doesn't earn top defensive player honors ahead of Hamilton's Larry Dean. It would be the second time Hill has won the award. He also earned it with BC in 2015. And the third Bomber finalist, running back Andrew Harris, and his best Canadian category could go either way, in my opinion. The East finalist, Brad Sinopoli, who won the award in 2015, set a record for a Canadian receiver with 116 receptions this year. My guess is Sinopoli will get a lot of support, but so will Harris for his superlative season, in which he led the CFL in rushing with 1,390 yards and also added 451 on the ground. I spoke to the three Winnipeg finalists. Here's my chat with Harris. Well, has the
7: pain subsided yet? Honestly, nah, I'm, I've been here, driving around, seeing all the stuff going on, and uh, it doesn't feel good to be here, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, i honestly blessed to, to be here for the award, but uh, uh, it just doesn't feel right, and uh, I mean, it's just too soon. Uh, so I just trying to enjoy it as much as I can, but uh, yeah, definitely feels different uh, than the past years where I've been to great cups for sure.
5: You wake up at night thinking about that overthrow on that play where you were wide open downfield?
7: Yeah, I mean, uh, that's definitely one that uh, got away from us, and there's a few plays that you, you look back at and, you know, you think, what if, right? But, uh, you know, that's just how it goes.
5: What would it mean to you to win the Outstanding Canadian Award two years in a row? Um,
7: it's, again, I mean, talk about uh, my teammates and, and, and the guys that I go to war with. Definitely a lot of pride with uh, within the locker room for, for that. And, I mean, it's just a tribute, again, to those guys and uh, just the hard work and dedication that I' you know I, you know I put myself through and uh, the standard that I set myself at and uh, yeah it's just uh, the, the people around me that that helped me um, you know stay to where I'm at and, and, and keep me in check You train so
5: hard. You're 31, but if you can stay healthy, is there any reason you can't play like this for two or three or
7: four more years? Yeah, I mean, uh, I got two more years on my contract, and you know, I definitely want to play through those for sure. Like I said, I you know, I do feel great right now. I, you know, got through this season, you know, without any major injuries, uh, knock on wood, but um, yeah, I mean, I still feel like I I can still run. I can still, you know, break tackles and you know the game the game is slowed down a lot for me, so uh, you know it allows me to play at a certain level, so um, I definitely feel good enough to to definitely honor the contract and uh, you know we'll see what happens after that and I also
5: talked with Stanley Bryant well, have you gotten over last sunday yet
8: uh yeah, I did um, just hung out with a few buddies um, for the past uh, what well, Monday and Tuesday we hung out, just kind of kicked back you know, threw back a couple of drinks you know and kind of. Just talked about the season in general, how special it was and how close we came and how we, we had the energy and, and thought that this was going to be the year that we got to the Great Cup and win. Um, but right now, I'm okay with how things happen. So just ready to move on. What was missing on
5: offense last Sunday?
8: I don't know. I've been thinking about it. It's, I don't know. We just I feel like we just needed one play, one little spark and just get the momentum to swing our way.
5: And we just didn't get it done. Now, to be clear on your status, I'm told you have a commitment for next season. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah. So you're going to be back? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, I'll be back.
8: I'll be no back. doubt about that.
5: No doubt. No doubt. I'll be back. I'll be back. And I, Hardrick, we're told, is the same. Newfeld has got a contract. So how do you get Chung and Gosen to sign? Um,
8: <laughs> I think that'll be an easy task. I think I think those guys know that we have a special, a special bond. I mean, we've come a long way as a unit. Yeah. Uh, we're a lot of veteran guys. We've seen a lot of defenses a lot of games together so i think continuity will be key and i think those guys believe that
5: we can win a great cup with that with that group so i think they're willing to come back and try to get that done and finally adam bighill says the hurt of losing the west final still has not
9: subsided uh no it probably gets gets worse for the next couple weeks um especially this week during the great cup you're watching two other teams still have the opportunity to practice and 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 play the game and and play for for what we all wanted which was a great cup and um you know so there's you know we envy those guys and and respect them for their opportunity that they've that they've uh, earned um so yeah still stings yeah. so you've been named the top defensive player in 2015 what would it mean to you to win it again yeah i mean that's that's a great question um I, i've been thinking about that a lot and um I mean, I think just to me, um, ever since I wanted to play professional football as a kid, and and even coming into my first year as a pro, I just I wanted to leave a legacy to be one of the best to ever play the game, and and uh, you know be one of the best teammates to ever be around, and to be a guy that was you know considered a leader and helpful, and um, a guy that people could count on on and off the field, you know. So those are the things that you know, I've taken into consideration and, and things. I, I really want to leave the game when I'm done. And, I mean, I think um, doing something once is great, but, you know, doing something again, I think, adds a little bit more oomph to it.
5: When do you expect to make your decision about where you're going to play next year, Adam?
9: it's yeah, a good question. I mean, I th- I, the most honest answer I can say is we my agent's gonna have to have discussions, you know, and and just see in general what GMs around the league and what Winnipeg what what they're thinking. What are when are they willing to act? What are they willing to do? What are they looking for? You know, I mean, so much in so much in the air with the CBA expiring, and um, just gotta get a feel for what they expect the process to be, because that's gonna really determine how. Uh, we act and what negotiations are going to be like, right? So, um, you know, it's going to be about getting a feel for for what opportunities there can be and and, um, from there take that into account to make a decision.
5: So while the Blue Bombers came up short in their effort to get to the Grey Cup game, chances are good they'll get to the finish line with at least two and maybe three of the CFL's prestigious individual player awards.
1: We'll hear from Bob Irving tomorrow as well. You'll hear from him on uh, Christian Sports Show tonight here on CJOB. And I was just thinking back to, you know, all those years that the Blue Bombers were not winning Grey cups. And uh, the consolation prize was the fact that the Bombers would quite often have the most outstanding player in the CFL. And for eight years, it was pretty impressive. Between 1980 and 87, those eight seasons of the CFL, the Blue Bombers had the most outstanding player in the league five times. Wow. Dieter Brock won it back-to-back in 1980 and 81. Willard Reeves won it in 84. Of course, the Bombers won the Grey Cup that year. James Murphy was the outstanding player in 86. And Tom Clements in 87. And then, of course, in 2001, Lorraine, you remember 2001, the heartbreaking loss to Calgary Kihari? in the Grey Cup. Who was it? Yeah, Kahari Jones, Jones. And then in 2002... Our good friend Milt Stiegel was the outstanding player. We haven't had, or the Blue Bombers haven't had, an outstanding player in the league since 2002.
2: So we're saying that we're on the right track then. I think Maybe. the theme there, if I'm going to steal, glean one good thing of hope yes. from his loss and not being the great cup... If we're outstand- outstanding tonight, we might be outstanding next year. Well, well, speaking of
0: outstanding players, uh, other news out of the Bomber camp yesterday. Yeah, fan favorite Maurice Leggett was released by the club after
1: five years as a Blue Bomber. He was always so good to us here at 680 CJOB. Brett, you and I had a couple of really entertaining conversations with him. He was terrific in the community and with the fans and uh, sincerely wish him the best in his future endeavors, whether it be inside or outside of football.
0: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb on 680 CJOB. And uh, we are very excited about this next segment. Well, we're excited about all our segments, but I, in particular, am excited because the market is tomorrow. Third and Bird, the 10th annual Christmas market is happening tomorrow at Hudson's Bay downtown. And we have a number of guests. In the studio with us, we have Martin and Bernard Paisak from Baltic Brothers. They are one of the vendors who will be at Third and Bird. Kate Dick is here from Utopia, and we're excited to try her those treats. She's opening the bag. I don't know if you can hear that, but she, she's opening the bag. We're all so hungry, so we're excited to try that.
2: I gave Brett instructions a couple weeks ago. I was like, can we get some guests on that are going to bring something that smells good and has food and, you know, just taste testing a little bit more. So
0: So I I delivered. So he delivered.
2: So I'm excited.
1: (laughs) That's why I left you in there,
0: McNabb. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Greg Mackling has gone into our control room right now uh, because we have a packed house. And on the phone, let's start with one of the co-founders of Third and Bird, Shandra Kremsky, joining us on the phone. Shandra, good morning to you. Good morning. So for those, the uninitiated, who are wondering, what is this Third and Bird that you guys keep talking about? Maybe just give us a quick recap here. What's Third and Bird?
10: Third and Bird is Winnipeg's largest urban market where we uh, bring 155 of the best local makers in Manitoba all together under one roof. And you can come and shop and knock off your Christmas list or your own personal wish list in one weekend um, and whoever you purchase from, you can walk away feeling good that you're supporting a small, local Manitoba business.
0: Where did it start? Where was your first market?
10: Our first market had humble beginnings. We started in the ba- um, sorry, the, uh, church on uh, Main Street, Main and Higgins. And our very first market, we had 30 uh, vendors and 500 shoppers. And last Christmas, you know, we had over 140 makers and 14,000 shoppers.
2: It's gone from 500 shoppers to 14,000 in the last one? It, it, in in the past 10 years, yeah.
1: Wow, amazing. Shandra, I just tweeted out the video from your spring market, and uh, this encompasses so many passions for me. Obviously, uh, what you've been able to do with this enterprise is unbelievable. The fact that you highlight Manitoba makers, I think, is just so extraordinary. And it also highlights the fact for me that if you give people a reason to come downtown, they will come and they'll come en masse. In fact, they'll stand in line to get into the venue.
10: Absolutely. I feel that our province is so incredibly special and, and Winnipeggers especially, well, and even the greater community are so loyal. They will come on Black Friday. They will skip the mall to come shop local makers. They want to meet the people behind the products that they love. And that is so special and unique. And you can't find that at a big box store. And I think that Manitobans really appreciate that.
0: Now, Chandra, this market is happening Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But Friday, that is tomorrow, sold out.
10: Yeah, so tomorrow sold out, Friday night is like our early bird pre-shop. So those tickets sold out quite quickly, but we do have tickets on our website for general admission, which means once you buy your ticket, you can come Saturday or Sunday. It's unlimited re-entry, so you can come back as many times as you want. And of course, kids 12 and under are always free.
0: No, I went to the, the Spring Market. It was fabulous. And I'm glad that you actually, a couple of the guests that you brought in here, Chandra, uh, be, are exciting me because I remember visiting their stand for the Spring Market. I didn't, br- I didn't prepare myself for how much money I was going to want to spend. So I had to only, I brought a couple of little things. But Baltic Brothers are here. Martin and Bernard Paysak. And again, Kate Dick from Utopia. We'll start with uh, the Baltic Brothers here. Uh, Martin, what are, who are the Baltic Brothers? We're, we're a family-run business. We've been uh, doing these craft spirit infusion kits. Our, what we end up doing is we let people buy their favorite liquor from the liquor mart, take it home, and we teach them. We make makers on teaching them how to actually infuse spirits and change them into a wonderful world of different flavors. And this is all based on four generations of family recipes. So we're bringing a little bit of our culture, a little bit of our heritage, and a little bit of our hospitality to Winnipeg, to the market, to other makers. So but-
2: I mean, if you could just describe what we're talking about, first of all. So we got the, these jars, and yeah, inside so be, the
0: mason jars. So basically what you do is you take your basic vodka, whiskey, or gin. With our craft kit, uh, you can infuse and flavor your alcohols. Uh, so we have pre-made pouches that are a little bit more extensive recipes, and we've made them and pre-packaged them so it's easy for you to make. But it also comes with a recipe book uh, that you take your basic ingredients that you can buy at home, Or uh, that you have at home where you can buy at the grocery store and you can infuse and flavor your alcohols.
2: Talk to me about the background of the family because, like, you're saying that this is something your grandparents and and the kind of drinks they would have had 80, 90 years ago kind of thing?
0: It's it's pretty amazing. So the word nalewka, the the infusion, is a Polish tradition that dates back 600 years. And our family's been doing it for about four generations. So we're trying to take that heritage Uh, talking to our Uncle Stan, who's 94 years old, and he's been teaching us and uh, showing us the ropes of what's going on in our family, what happened in the history, and bringing that to light.
1: Chandra, how common is a story like the one Bernard's sharing with us in terms of the evolution, the creation, the foundation for these local businesses?
10: Uh, These are the stories that we love to look for when we're selecting makers for our market. Um, we are, it's a very big process and and many people apply and there's so many talented people out there, but we're really looking for these makers that bring that little extra, um, specialness to the market and have these stories and and these guys are a great example like there's so much rich heritage behind what they do and they're so hands-on with the creation of their products that they offer shoppers and uh, these are the things that you can expect when you come and shop the market
0: okay dick from utafia is here kate to tell us a little bit about what you do
2: okay well i make uh product called utafia it's got roasted cashews on the bottom and a crunchy toffee in the middle and a swirled chocolate on the top so we make big pans of it crack it up put it in bags for the masses i'm just i want to ask a question but i would like you to pass that around
0: (laughs) here's the bag right here i'm just
2: so you say you make this is this is this something you did you know when you were younger too are you in the kitchen and baking or did this just come upon more recently for you well i've always been in the kitchen since i was a young young girl um, but this recipe I made over the past six years and perfected, and uh, the business has been going for six years. Why toffee? I've always loved score bar and uh, mm,
1: best. Yeah, yeah, it's my favorite. So <laughs> uh,
2: I, I tried a handcrafted toffee once and found it to be so delicious, and I thought, oh man, I've never thought of making this myself. So
0: you mentioned the word perfected, mm-hmm. and that's the word that comes to mind because that. It tastes like perfection. That's so good, oh, and uh, and just I could you you did, obviously you guys couldn't bring us samples of uh, what you <laughs> what you do, but you brought the 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 kits, and the pouches with the flavors, and uh, I like I've, I've sort of gotten into Caesars, and the Caesar kit smells really good, so I definitely am looking forward to trying that. Why don't we take a, a pause of conversation here? Shandra Kremsky's on the phone with us from Third and Bird. Kate Dick is here from Utafia. Martin and Bernard Paysack are here from Baltic Brothers. The market's happening this weekend at Hudson's Bay downtown. Early Bird is sold out tomorrow, but you can still get in on Saturday and Sunday. And trust me, it is the most unique shopping experience you're ever going to have. It's so much fun. To see, and especially, as Shender mentioned, everyone is local. So that's really cool that you're putting money, you're keeping it in our economy and helping Winnipeggers and Manitobans do their thing. We'll check your forecast in a moment. Mackley McGarry and McNabb on CJOB.